My name is Philippe Girard, and I am a professor in the history department at McNeese State University. And I am Janet Allured, also a professor in the history department at McNeese. Welcome to Your Grandma Rocks on KBYS, where we explore the lives of famous women in history. Welcome and bienvenue à nos amis francophones. Ceci est la radio de l'Université McNeese. Today, we will learn about the life and music of a woman who has been called the best jazz vocalist in music history, Billie Holiday, a.k.a. Lady Day. Her unique singing style is considered one of the building blocks of American jazz and blues. Born in 1915, Billie was influenced by another blues recording artist before her, Bessie Smith. And in our first musical segment, we will hear Bessie Smith singing her 1923 hit, Baby, Won't You Please Come Home. back to Your Grandma Rocks. You just heard Bessie Smith singing, Baby, won't you please come home? Bessie Smith influenced not just Billie Holiday, the person that we are talking about today, but also later generation of blues singers such as Janis Joplin. 
But today we're focusing on the life of the blues legend known by her stage name, Billie Holiday, who was born Eleonora Fagan in Philadelphia to unmarried teenage parents during the age of Jim Crow, a time when segregation, racial segregation and white supremacy ruled. This was a time when most African Americans had very few educational or occupational opportunities. When they did find work, the pay was too low to lift them out of poverty. In her autobiography, Lady Sings the Blues, Billie Holiday chronicled the hardships in her life that ended up finding expression in her music. Billie Holiday, like so many other African American children, grew up destitute. But her experience was worse than most. Both her father and her mother's family refused to help support her because she was illegitimate. So her mother left her in the care of friends and distant relatives while she traveled looking for work. At the age of 14, Billy, like her mother, began working as a prostitute in Harlem. As you can tell, Billy had every reason to sing <laughs> the blues. She had dropped out of school at a young age and had virtually no technical musical training. She learned to sing by listening to Bessie Smith and Louis Armstrong on the radio. She began singing in Harlem nightclubs to earn money, working for tips, and it was then that she adopted her stage name. That's supposed to be a combination of the first name of the actress, Billy Dove, and the name of the musician's father, Clarence Holiday, mm -hmm. if I get that right. Mm -hmm. Although she never learned to read music, she developed a unique style that mimicked jazz instrumental music. She caught the attention of audiences and of a record producer, who in 1935 gave her the first of what would be many recording contracts. Though she became a major singing star, producing some of the greatest blues classics in the repertoire, she earned almost nothing from her recordings. Like most musicians at the time, she was paid a flat fee when she cut the song, and that was it. She never got any royalties. The copyright law at the time didn't protect artists. Many African-American jazz and blues musicians died poor, even though they were quite famous for their art and are today recognized as giants in their field. Billie Holiday, for example, won four Grammys, but only posthumously. We'll listen to one of her first big hits, a jazz version of Yankee Doodle Went to Town. This is Billie Holiday.
Philippe, did that sound like the traditional rendition of Yankee Doodle to you? Well, as you can tell by my accent, I'm not exactly the traditional Yankee, so I'll let you be the judge. Today, we are exploring the life and legacy of blues singer Billie Holiday, who, like many other African Americans, used her musical talents to earn a living. Though she never received royalties from her records, she worked on salary for several of the major bands of the era. That would include Benny Goodman and the Count Basie Band for the 1930s. Mm-hmm. When Artie Shaw, a white band director, hired her, she became one of the first black women in the U.S. to sing with a white orchestra. Touring the segregated South, she endured frequent humiliations. Even though Artie Shaw stood up for her, she found it too painful to be the sole black woman, and she soon quit. By the late 1930s, Billie Holiday had scored a string of radio and retail hits, and she became an established artist in the recording industry. Her songs like What a Little Moonlight Can Do or Easy Living were quickly becoming standards of jazz. Let's hear one of those now. This is What a Little Moonlight Can Do from 1935, Billie Holiday. Joining us, you're listening to Your Grandma Rocks on KBYS. You just heard Billie Holiday, who is our featured artist today, 
and What a Little Moonlight Can Do, a song she recorded in 1935. I'm Janet Alured, and I'm here with my history department colleague, Philippe Girard. We are discussing the life and discography of Billie Holiday, a singer-songwriter who had a major influence on blues and jazz. Perhaps her most famous hit was Strange Fruit. Most people think that Holiday wrote Strange Fruit after witnessing a black man being lynched. But in fact, it was written by a Jewish school teacher from the Bronx. But this man did witness uh, lynching. He was known professionally as Lewis Allen, and he had first published that song as a poem in 1937. And on a side note, Allen is probably more famous for adopting the two orphan sons of Essel and Julius Rosenberg, who were killed during the Red Scare or allegedly spying for the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Holiday made this song her signature and she sang it with great emotion. In fact, it could be considered the United States' first civil rights protest song. It was so powerful that her usual recording company refused to produce it, and she had to turn to a virtually unknown company to get it released. The lyrics were so provocative that Holiday seldom sang it in the South, and radio stations often refused to play it. The last time she sang it was also her last appearance on television in 1958, just one year before she died. This is Strange Fruit. Yeah. 
Welcome back to KBYS at Magnese. You've been listening to Strange Fruit, a haunting song about lynching in the American South, sung by blues artist Billie Holiday from 1939. I'm Janet Allured. And I am Philippe Girard. That song has been covered by many other artists, but for a couple of decades after her death in 1959, it was considered a black song because lynching was a crime committed primarily against African Americans. But after Sting made it an international hit in 1987, more and more non-white singers covered it. Another one of her hits that has been covered by many other artists since she first recorded it in 1941 is God Bless the Child. She co-wrote it with Herzog Jr. following an argument with her mother about the money. Holiday financially supported her mother, but her mother would take the money, spend it foolishly, and then would not help Billie Holiday when she would fall down on her luck. This is one of my favorite Billie Holiday songs. It's been covered by the likes of Harry Belafonte, Sam Cooke, Carmen McRae, Lou Rawls, Aretha Franklin, Stevie Wonder, Diana Ross and Blood, Sweat, and Tears, among many others. I don't know about you, Philippe, but Blood, Sweat, and Tears version is the one I grew up with, and thus is the most dear to me. So can we play that one? I have never said no to a beautiful woman. Let's go for it. God bless the child. (laughs) But don't take too 
God bless the child that's got his own That's got his own Welcome back. You've been listening to a song originally composed by Billie Holiday, God Bless the Child, which became part of the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1976 and was included in the list of songs of the century. Holiday said that the title came from a Bible verse, but there isn't any verse like that in Bible, which leads to another interesting characteristic about her. Unlike most other mid-century African-American female singers who became superstars like Gladys Knight or Marissa Franklin, she was not influenced by church music. Because of her rocky upbringing, she didn't go to church. Instead, she hung around whorehouses and clubs. She imitated cabaret singers and the jazz instruments she heard in the clubs. That's the reason why her voice always retained something of a spoken style, along with that unusually husky quality. Most of her music was slow, designed not for dancing, but more for contemplation. She also didn't have perfect pitch and didn't care if she hit a discordant note because she thought of her voice like improvisational jazz. Maybe I could be a singer then. (laughs) At the same time, she didn't try to upstage her backup musicians. She didn't riff or scat. And for that, she was well-liked among the jazz musicians who backed her up. 
The only movie in which Billy appeared was a 1947 flick, New Orleans, a movie that suffered from the pressures of McCarthyism in attempting to tell the story of the birth of jazz in New Orleans. It features Louis Armstrong as well as other black musicians. Holiday agreed to play a maid in the film because she thought she would be one of the musical stars. Well, that would have been the beginning of the McCarthy era, and there was a lot of pressure on the producers to not make it sound like black people invented jazz. So in practice, most of the musical numbers that they had filmed for the movie were left on the cutting room floor, and Billie Holiday was just livid when they only included her performance for one song, Do You Know What It Means to Miss New Orleans, which was also played by her friend, Louis Armstrong. That's the song that we will listen to right now, the only song of Billie Holiday that was left in the movie, New Orleans. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans and miss it each night and day? getting stronger the longer I stay away Miss the moss covered vines the tall sugar pines where mockingbirds used to sing and I'd like to see the lazy Mississippi hurrying to spring the Mardi Gras memories of Creole tunes that fill the air. I dream of oleanders in June, and soon I'm wishing that I was there. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? When that's where you left your heart And there's something more I miss the one I care for More than I miss New Orleans Welcome back to KBYS, the McNeese radio station and the music and life of Billie Holiday, whose nickname was Lady Day. The women we have profiled in this series tend to end their lives tragically. Unfortunately, Billie Holiday was no exception. Like so many African-American musicians who sang the blues, who had terrible childhoods and almost no material wealth for most of their lives, Billie Holiday developed addictions to drugs and alcoholism. By the 1940s, she was earning more than $1,000 a week, but she was spending the majority of that money on heroin. In addition, she also had several disastrous relationships with men who were attracted to her fame and money and were not concerned about her well-being. Perhaps unsurprisingly, Holiday sang many songs about destructive and abusive relationships, including Taint Nobody's Business If I Do and My Man. One of her husbands introduced her to opium. The marriage didn't last, but the opium habit did. Yeah. The next boyfriend introduced her to heroin and gave her money to support her habit. After her mother's death in 1945, she began drinking more heavily and escalated her drug use. And in 1947, the same year that the movie New Orleans came out, she was arrested and convicted for narcotics possession. She spent a year in a federal rehabilitation facility. She was unable to kick her habit, however, and the drugs and alcohol began to take a toll on her voice in the 1950s. Even then, she had a hugely successful tour of Europe in 1954. And in 1956, she married yet another man who wanted only to use her name and money to advance himself. 
her drug addiction deepened. She gave her final performance in New York City in May of 1959, after which her heart and her liver began to give out. She was so addicted to heroin that she was arrested for possession while in the hospital. Wow. She died in a New York hospital on July 17, 1959, from cirrhosis of the liver. A final album, Last Recording, was released following her death. And in 1973, Billie Holiday was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. What a legacy. Merci, and thank you for joining us. This has been Your Grammar Rocks on KBYS. This program was funded by a Juliet Hartner grant for women in the humanities. For more information on how to help finance fellowships at McNeese, contact the foundation at 337-475-5588. And if you want to apply for a degree in history, contact the McNeese Admissions Office. The number is 337-475-5504. Goodbye. Thank you. Au revoir.